welcome to recording from yes, Australia. Yes, welcome to recording from Australia. <laughs> I feel like my audacity has a delay, too, because my computer's old and, you know... She's been in the business since 2012, and I've managed to keep her alive for this long, which is actually pretty laudable. Um, yeah, mine's 2014. Yeah, it's definitely oh, a struggle. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is the trove. It's not a normal episode of Relic. I'm trying to do this thing where I actually have episodes in between actually scheduled relic content like the usual i tell you a story you have to put up with my voice for 30 minutes i'm trying to do kind of like a bi-weekly roundtable to sort of fill in the gaps see where how it goes um i also said i was going to do a mini series on australian mysteries that didn't pan out so you know you might just get one of these and that's it you know i pay fast and loose with my <laughs> with my podcast content anyways it's called the trove it's a short roundtable style discussion on recent unusual spooky or groundbreaking archaeological and historical discoveries in the news love a run-on sentence courtney um i wanted to do an episode. <laughs> i'm so guilty of that well we'll edit it we'll edit it i wanted to do an episode between fort lay releases a relic i just said that so we're gonna see how this goes um my co-host tonight is courtney from the cult of domesticity podcast Hello. she's been on the show before for um and she is a professional historian like you have like the badge for it or something <laughs> uh i have the degree for it yep. and i'm working on getting back into be doing more professional historian things yes so you recently applied for a position at sturbridge village in massachusetts which is like the quintessential new england field trip experience yeah, like Plymouth Plantation. Yeah, it definitely is. Oh, did you? Did oh, I say? I did you say Plymouth? Wait, was it Plymouth Plantation? Plymouth. Okay, so it wasn't Sturbridge Village. I keep saying no. That. Plymouth also <laughs> the quintessential New England experience. Yeah, it's crazy for history. The field, if you want to do what I want to do, which is like public history. So like the, when you come into like a museum, a historical site, the person who you go listen to do talks or gives like is in costume. And to apply to those positions, it's insanely competitive. So I've just been pl- applying like crazy. Would you have to do like cosplay as like uh, mm-hmm. a, a starving pilgrim lady? Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> I would have been a pilgrim, yeah. Uh, because I've done third person interpretation. So that's like non-costumed. And then I've done architectural history. And I'm just I'm just spreading my wings and what I want to do. <laughs> and I discovered I want to do go back to that interpretation side because I like dealing with people. So for some reason, <laughs> I mean, don't it, get it. I, I think historical cosplay sounds a lot better than sitting at a desk all day, which is what I do. Uh, is it feel like October there? Please tell me I'm deprived here in my country of Australia, which I've chosen to move to. <laughs> It just started. We had, we had like ninety degrees like last week. It's so bizarre, and now it's like in the sixties. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I just, it doesn't feel like there's seasons here, and I know it's October. I know I should be watching scary things, but these people are philistines because pumpkin spice doesn't exist here. They don't like the the, the actual pumpkin thing, like the big orange round uh-huh. thing that we carve jack o' lanterns out of. That doesn't. That's not a thing here either, and I just don't understand how I'm going to get through the rest of this month. 
like Halloween is one of my few joys in life and it's just not it's a thing here but it's just not I don't know you know I coming from Connecticut where it's just like the capital of fall where it's just sweater is the mandatory uniform I just I just don't know I just don't know. I don't know if I could do it. Like, I love sweater weather, so I'd have to live somewhere where I could wear sweaters. I feel that. Gosh, we're yeah. white. <laughs> we're so... This is just, just like, let's, let's see how white we are. Love Halloween. Uh, love sweaters. Historical dress up. Like... <laughs> I mean, yeah. Our audience, our audience knows what to expect. Um... <laughs> So talk to me about some random, what is your weird history thing of recent memory, like are in the news that you want to share with me? So I have an article on a huge ghost ship that appeared out of nowhere in Southeast Asia. Okay, I'm listening. It was, uh, it was a cargo ship with no crew or cargo on board, found off the coast of Myanmar, and it was called the Sam Reg- Regaletti pb 1600 and it was about doesn't really roll 600. off the tongue no no it's not like the mary celeste oh, but but few are <laughs> yeah it's about 580 feet long so it's not a small ship that that was just like wandering around in the ocean no that's creepier i know it's so they had the picture and i was just like that's a that that's a cargo like a cargo ship like a legitimate one that crosses the ocean all the time and they found it around August 30th, 2018, near the Tongwan Township uh, in the Yangon region, which is so bizarre. Do they know where it come from? Where where uh, come, where it comes from? <laughs> Do you know where ship come from? Which is fun. It's funny that you're having a harder time speaking because you've been up all day. I just woke up. Yeah, this is a hot mess. Um, yeah. So I'll get to that. It's further down the BBC article. Um they last had the ship uh, recorded off the coast of Taiwan in 2009. The BBC found out on September 1st, so like right after they found the ship, quote, the Navy now says the freighter was being towed by a tugboat headed to a shipbreaking facility in Bangladesh. However, the crew abandoned ship after it was caught in bad weather, end quote. And they, they found it because it just, like, like it landed into shore. So they're like, oh, Here's this boat, and then people just went on there. But then it, it was interesting, because I found out after this, like, because of this article, the BBC said, quote, Bangladesh has a large shipbreaking industry with hundreds of old commercial vessels dismantled in Chichagong each year, but the business is controversial, uh, which with critics saying the work is poorly regulated and dangerous to laborers, end quote, which I never would have thought about when you break up ships. With how big ships are. I can only imagine how dangerous that work must be. It's also really creepy to think that there's just a place where there's just these giant rusting behemoths in the middle of nowhere. I think there is a level of the third Uncharted game where you have to explore a kind of ship graveyard like that. Um, But did anyone disappear under mysterious circumstances? No, they just figured... I think there was no one on the ship or no cargo. And so the tug... Because they were just tugging it, so, like, they probably would have just set it up with, like, uh, like, r- cables to take it with the tugboat. And when it, like, started to snap, they probably just released it for safety. And they're like, we'll find it later. And then it pro- it wandered around for a while. <laughs> and they like didn't that. find it later. <laughs> so, yeah, because it was, like, 
is about 10 years because they last recorded it in 2009. Jeez. And it's been, like, it vanished and then reappeared. Was there anything, like, creepy, like, strange cocoons or coffins on the ship? Not reported? Probably not reported because it's Myanmar. Oh, yeah. If anyone knows (laughs) the history of Myanmar, we're not getting crap out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that's creepy. Um, My story is a little less terrifying. It could be potentially creepy. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, It's more on the delicious side of things especially as someone who loves a good carbohydrate. So in the last two months in in Pasadena, there was a gentleman who is a – his name is Seamus Blackley, and he's a yeast specialist. So he's really interested in, like, anything with yeast, like cooking, bread, whatever. And he was able to extract – was I think help from the Smithsonian? do i want to say he was able to extract from a egyptian clay pot a four thousand year old uh strain of yeast revive it and then cook with it and to like actually make bread so the thing about yeast is that it doesn't really die it just goes dormant and it was found in this pot and so this this guy who apparently is a jack of all trades because he created the Xbox and he's a physicist as well, but his like his like side hustle is bread. <laughs> um, he he was able to extract the yeast, revive it, and bake a um, bread with it. And he stamped the bread with uh, the Egyptian hieroglyph for bread, which just looks like a half circle. But uh, he, he like documented the process online, and it was really fascinating. And he said that the way that it tastes and smelled is like unlike anything we in the modern day have ever experienced. And that the fact that it tasted so different and smelled so different was what he, what leads him to believe that it was in fact a strain of yeast from uh, 4,000 years ago and not something modern. Cause he was concerned that it was that the mod, like maybe a modern strain had contaminated it. He said on Twitter, the crumb is light and airy. The aroma and flavor are incredible. I'm emotional. I'm also emotional because I love bread, so I completely understand. But yeah. Yeah. Right? It seems like something on Bake Off. Like, that seems like such a Bake Off thing. Like, yeah. And which apparently it's like the same process, but the extraction, like, there was a whole special method that they used where the university he teamed up with, I want to say it's the Smithsonian. I think it might have been, I also saw like the University of Iowa. I read the article once, full disclosure. Somewhere, some university. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was, it was. So it was the Museum of Fine Arts in, in yeah. Boston, which, oh, it was the MFA. So I've been there and the Peabody Museum at Harvard. It's Peabody, right? Not Peabody. Someone from Boston can yell at us. Peabody. Like Worcester. Yeah, Peabody. Uh, and Lemonster. I used to live in Massachusetts. Anyways, uh, if you couldn't tell from like literally the, <laughs> half the content of this episode. So it's just, it's so crazy that he was able to take that yeast, revive it after like 5,000, 4,000 years mm-hmm. and successfully bake bread with it. The likes of which is nothing we in the modern time yeah. would have ever tasted or smelled or anything like that. Um, I'm just concerned it is like a weird curse attached to the yeast. Really... It's going to be like you turn into like a mummy yeah. and eat it or something. Yeah. I'm just like, I think it, I would want to know like either has our yeast mutated so much right, or have we just processed it so much? Cause I've, 
I've made a lot of roles in my life. I worked for a U.S. state-based roadhouse. You can figure out which one that's famous for roles. And, like, we would just get bags and bags of yeast because that's how you start any bread. And it was also standardized. I'm just curious. Like, is it because it was let to naturally do its thing? Yeah, I didn't know you were a baker, so I'm learning a lot right now about you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was the I was a baker for about a year at that location, which was inter- an interesting experience. I hate croutons now because of it because <laughs> I had to make so many of them, and they're just annoying to make. But yeah, so it's just interesting to think about that. Also, it reminds me, probably I think it's about five years ago now because I was in grad school when I came out. They revived an ancient beer recipe oh, as well. Oh, interesting! I think in Berkeley, yeah. Like, so that's, it's, people have started doing, like, food history is really big. And, well, it really just history of the senses and, like, food history is, like, new up and coming in the field. At least when I was in grad school, so that's about three years out now. Maybe I need to change my, my master's aspirations. I think as long as you can keep up with, like, like, follow history sites and, like, really good public history stuff where at least they're publishing it it's it's just interesting to me that we can take like remnants from people's teeth they're from pots and we can turn around and be like this is what it is and we can actually revive whatever was in there yeah it's a little like the gastronomic version of jurassic park and I'm concerned that some kind of crazy virus is going to, like, come back through all of this. Before we shift shift it back to you, I do want to say that Seamus, our friend who made the bread, has also tried the actual bread that was discovered from, like, a Middle Kingdom, like, tomb. And somehow was still edible. Well, I don't know how edible it was, but he tried it. Like, And I'm looking at a picture of it now. It's also oh, is it like the petrified bread? Yeah, I think so. But he was able to, yeah, yeah a triangular loaf complete with restored band and center. Uh, Middle Kingdom Dynasty Eleven reign of Mentehotep. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, they were able to to like he was actually able to try bread. Like I guess you, once you get to a certain like level of like bread nerdery, you can like get the forbidden <laughs> like the good stuff from like thousands of years ago that they like have in like Indiana Jones warehouse vaults. It's like closely guarded. It's him and Paul Hollywood. (laughs) In the tomb bread? (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Bake Off. It's so good. Not even the new season. It's so good. I'll I'll be like, I'll record an episode. I tell people like really horrible things. And I'm like, I'm going to go sit and watch Bake Off now. Oh my gosh. Just feel better. Um, Okay, tell me another weird thing. Uh, So I have a woman who used makeup to help other women poison their husbands is she there with you in the room yes i brought her here uh no she's dead (laughs) well so are those husbands (laughs) (laughs) yeah her name is juliana tosfana and so she lived during the mid 1600s and she sold cosmetics in southern italy Mm -hmm. and her she basically created aquafa tosfana which is contain enough arsenic to kill but without leaving a trace so she found the sweet spot of arsenic oh well, that's why i don't mess with italian women pretty much uh and so she basically just keep it as secret as possible so she could still sell and she did this for nearly 
50 years. So she had a market of poisoning her husband. Yeah, helping other women. Like, I think it was, like, just word of mouth. Like, she'd be like, ask for this kind of, like, makeup and slide across the table. So it's probably, like, a lipstick and be like, oh, have your husband kiss you. Oh, it's like poison ivy. Yeah. So in the 1650s, one of her clients got cold feet. She had bought the aqua, aquafa tosfana and took it home. And she even put the poison in her husband's soup. And then she was, like, really, like, regretted it. So she stopped her husband. And so then the, her husband was like, okay, what's going on? And she admitted. And he turned Giovanna over to the authorities. Basically, after, like, interrogating her, his wife, which probably was torture. Oh. Um, Juliana was warned about it. So she fled to the church, asked for sanctuary. It was granted. Then, of course, a rumor gets spread that she had, po- like, throughout Rome that she had poisoned the water. So the cho- church was stormed. Which is crazy because the idea of sanctuary is for the church is like a big thing. We see it Hunchback in of Notre Dame. Hunchback of Notre Dame. And another really good example of it, even though I don't always agree with Philippa Gregor's history, is uh, the White Queen. They, they show how Elizabeth Woodward used sanctuary a lot during the War of the Roses. So she wasn't, you know, murdered. And she lived in the basement of a church for a while. Like, you could walk around the church, you just can't leave. Ugh. Yeah, pretty much as soon as you get off church grounds, you can be taken. So she, then Juliana was handed over to papal authorities who tortured her until she confessed to poisoning over 600 men between 1633 and 50. <laughs> yeah. Really, it could be higher. We don't really know, but that's just what she confessed to. In July of 1659, she was executed along with her daughter and three employees. They were killed in Rome's Campo di Forori, um, and some of her clients were also punished. When her, they would go to, up to the clients, they'd be like, you have this aquafa tosfana, and they'd be like, oh, it's just for cosmetics, because arsenic was a popular cosmetic. Yeah, right. So, while others who, like, were, I guess didn't feign enough ignorance, or probably was weren't sufficiently high enough in class, or they were thrown into prison or executed, and... Basically, her aquafa Tosfana had lived long after her. So in 1791, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart claimed he was being poisoned with it. Oh, so it's almost like sort of like lost treasure adjacent that keeps popping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we have the recipe for it anymore, which is probably good. Yeah, for the best, right? <laughs> probably, yeah. Enough women like to poison their husbands. Like, let's not. Um, so... Yeah, Mozart was working on his Requiem Mass when he fell really ill. On his deathbed, he declared, quote, I feel something, I feel definitely that I will not last much longer. I'm sure I have been poisoned, end quote. And he was, like, pretty pretty sure it was Aquafana Tosfana. And people are like, yeah, he probably didn't kill him, but the recipe was still being, like, discussed 100 years after death, so it's pretty, pretty popular. And so she must have written down the recipe somewhere. Who was trying to kill Mozart? Um, Salieri? Probably so many people. Let's not lie. Everyone has enemies. It didn't say. He just felt like he was being poisoned because I hate Mozart. He lives for the drama. (laughs) Yeah. So Juliana was the daughter of Tosafana D'Amato, who was executed in Palmer, Sicily in 1633 after she was accused of murdering her husband. And it's possible that her mom used poison to murder her husband. On top of that, her daughter, Juliana's daughter, Girama Spira, known as the Astrologia della Lugaria, um, was also part of the family business because she was executed with her mother. 
It started as a business, but, you know, they... Poisoning people? Well, I think it started as, like, a cosmetic apothecary business, and once she developed it, it was, like, a family secret poison. In that period, like, it was more younger women, older men situations a lot, so you think about it. If your husband is taking too long to kick the bucket... You can help him out a bit. Yeah. Yeesh. But that's yeah, that's that's cinema. nuts. But I figured you would enjoy that one because it's kind of lost treasurist, and it's also because well, we don't have the recipe. Yeah, which I mean, let's not have that <laughs> recipe. Because <laughs> there's a lot of women who could probably want to use that for probably the right reasons. To be quite honest, I mean, we don't advocate poisoning here on Relic, but, mm-hmm. but you know, um. All right, so my final story is uh, an ancient Roman shipwreck mm-hmm. has been discovered off the coast of Majorca. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Majorca. It's not Mallorca. All right. No, no, Mallorca you're not. In Spain. You're not thinking of Midwestern pronunciations where we have Versailles. <laughs> That's a thing. Instead of Versailles. Yeah. Instead of Versailles. Versailles. Instead of Versailles. Yeah, yeah, and like I know it just makes me think of uh, Versailles. Is it a Versace, like from Showgirls, oh, yeah. instead of Versace? Uh, so yeah, ancient Roman shipwreck discovered off the, co- off the coast of Majorca in Spain with almost 100 sealed amphorae inside. So amphorae, for those who don't know, are Roman jars that were used Wait, to one store... Wait, um... There was a siren going past me. Oh, it sounded like a ghost. It was like a... <laughs> No, the, just the ghosts are walking through the house again. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'm between uh, uh, two dimensions. Oh, oh man, Wait. that seems excessive for. What? It's two. It's another one. <laughs> oh, something's happening. So, someone discovered the uh, recipe for to for that poison. Oh, it's a stana yeah. poison. Yeah, yeah, it's back. It's because I live near two cities. Like, it's there's like I'm right by a border of another city. So it's like their cities oh, and then my so the, cities. Yeah. yeah. So Okay. Um, Sam Foray were used to ship, you know, house various products like oil or salt or wine. And this ship uh went down uh, off the coast of Majorca. And there's a hundred of them that are sealed. So that's extremely rare to have something preserved like that. And the fact that we just discovered a shipwreck from like how many hundred years ago? A thousand, a thousand seven hundred years ago. That's pretty rare, like a rare find in 2019. So they didn't, they didn't really disclose the location exactly uh, because they didn't want people to loot it. But they recovered the most um, at-risk jars and foray, so they could be looked at later. And the rest are, like, protected on this protected site with the ship. So this has just been discovered. So who knows what's in those jars? Again, probably shouldn't open them. Who knows what's inside those jars? And they also don't really know why the ship sank Mm -hmm. because they don't think it was a storm. So they're like, something caused this ship to sink. We don't know what happened to the crew, but we just discovered all these mysterious jars. Uh, Yeah. Probably get some more yeast out of them. Yeah. I just think I want to know Some how they found old... it. I wonder if they did like remote sensing because they, the other big thing, like they just discovered a man's car in Florida. Like he had just like driven into the pond and no one had found him for like 10 years. And they, someone using Google Earth, 
found it. So I'm just. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Wow. So I'm. Um, I could tell you actually how okay. they found it. Um, there's a, a local resident named, uh, I believe, Felix Alarcon. Mm-hmm. Felix Alarcon, I'm going to try that, spotted uh, some shards of pottery on the seabed in Palma. Um, wait, was Palma the... That was a different place There's then. Palma, Italy, Where... but Pal... there might be a Palma, Spain. Oh, that's weird. Let's that's... See. Yeah, I just realized that. Um, it's Palma de Mallorca. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wait, one. so are, are both of our stories that we didn't actually really discuss before are the same same place well yours is palma de mallorca mine's palma italy oh guys just diversify your names please (laughs) it's okay there's like a springfield everywhere it's it's like i think the romans like did that or like alexander the great he's like alexandria let's have another alexandria Anyways, that's pretty crazy stuff. So, uh, yeah, I guess my, now that I'm looking at it, both of my stories involve things in jars. I guess I liked canning. <laughs> Maybe you should just take up canning, in, but in, like... Like ancient canning? Yeah, take up ancient canning. Probably get botulism that way. Anyways, Courtney, do you want to plug anything? Uh, yeah, come check out The Cult of Domesticity. I cover historical cases. I can give you... A recent one, which is, uh, I did, there was, a uh, The Hunt for John Wilkes Booth. Ooh. That's my other one. Oh, the, I, I've done two very Relic-esque episodes where it's not, like, haunted treasure, but it's just, like, horrible, like, these crazy stories, which I covered the Baliaga massacre in the Philippines and the Holodomor in Ukraine. So there's, like, some interesting histories that come out of that as well. So, yeah. Interesting. And I'm on all podcatchers and all social medias. Just look for the cult of domesticity. Yes, please do. It's really good. All right. Well, this has been The Trove. Uh, Till next time, folks. Bye. Bye. (laughs)